We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? A podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia and we the ones. Ooh, speaking of we the ones, as is becoming our tradition. He hasn't lost it yet. Correct. Roman Reigns. Former no, former defensive end or defensive tackle, excuse me, uh, now known as Roman Reigns, is over 1,100 days as champion. Now, granted, he hasn't appeared on television in about two months. He's getting some time off. But... We'll get there. He is recognized as the fifth longest world championship reign in WWE's history, the longest reign since 1988, which would put him reigning longer than at least one of a couple of Hulk Hogan's reigns. But we're not going to talk about him because he did not go to the Institute. He never got out of tech. Roman Reigns did. Oh, he is from Augusta. Yeah. More from Venice Beach than Augusta. Anyway, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. We are done with the wrestling news. It is time, done with sports entertainment. It's time to just talk sports. If you came here to hear about the football game that we won and the football game that's coming up, we will get to that in the second half of the show. But there's quite a bit of sports news out of the Institute that we want to get everybody caught up on. Joshua, we're going to be talking about volleyball. You're going to be talking about uh, something with basketball. Give them a tease about that. Um, Well, Georgia Tech has alumni. We know that. We've referenced at least two of them on this show. I'm going to give you an update with basketball season coming around the corner in the next month or two. We're going to give you an idea of where Georgia Tech alum are playing. So if you want to go search them out on one of the many streaming services that might provide those things, you can go watch some former Georgia Tech guys continue to play the game of basketball. I like it. We will also be talking about, uh, we have a report from our greatest news <laughs> reporter source. Uh, reporter Stacy gave us some info about a tennis player from the U.S. Open that we're going to talk about. And then we will also be giving a little cross-country news. I do want to give a shout-out and finish the shout-out. I mentioned it on the last show because we are starting to get, we literally are dozens and dozens of listeners, and we thank each and every one of you for listening to the podcast, and we thank you for interacting with us, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com, unless you get our personal numbers and are friends of ours, and then you text us and let us know what you think. I want to shout-out friend, new friend of show, Will. Will emailed me and said, hey, just want to let you know I'm a fan of What's the Good Word, He is in my industry that I do, and he does another job, but he did some digging, found who I was, and just reached out and said he was a big fan. He, his, I believe his father and sister were alum. He grew up going to lots of games, and he said he searched us and found us during the basketball coaching change, and he's been a loyal listener ever since. So, Will, thank you very much. 
And we just want to encourage all of our dozens and dozens of listeners to let someone else in your life know about our little podcast, and we would greatly appreciate it. All right, enough uh, salesmanship, enough wrestling talk. Let's get into the news. Wanted to start with the volleyball team. The Georgia Tech volleyball team is off to a fantastic start. They are 7-0, and and not only that, they have jumped from preseason number 20 in the polls to now being in the top 10 yet again. They are 7-0. and They reached that rank after sweeping their opponents in the Florida A&M Invitational. They beat Stetson and they beat Florida A&M. I'd encourage you to go to YouTube, look at the highlights. It was not exactly the most heavily attended. Boy, I tell you what, what they do at on Tech Campus at O'Keefe Gymnasium, that is a great environment. And we would encourage you to go check out the volleyball team in person because they dominated the Florida A&M Invitational winning. They didn't even drop a set. They won both of their matches and they entered uh, top 10. They, again, as we've stated, they've defeated Ohio State already this year and they defeated Penn State. And they were 11th last week, and they jumped to 10th this week. They have been in the top 25 since 2020, 58 straight rankings. They've been in the top 25, and they're now back in the top 10. They enter the fourth week of the season amongst the top three in the ACC and top 15 in the NCAA in in all kinds of categories like kills and assists and digs. Uh, There's a great article on ramblinrec.com that kind of talks about the start of their season. I do want to shout out that senior uh, Paola Pimentel has been all over the floor leading the conference and placing 13th in the country in digs. Junior outside hitter Bianca Bartolino has been an absolute weapon for the team. uh, And from the service line, she's ranking second in the ACC and 24th in the nation in aces per set. Also, Bella D'Amico has been digging like crazy, senior setter. And Larissa Mendez, an up-and-coming freshman who is averaging 3.79 kills per set. So I say all that to say they're off to a great start at 7-0. And I also say it to say that this week, the Georgia Tech volleyball team hosts the Georgia Tech Invitational. Three matches, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday matches are in O'Keefe Gymnasium. I believe they play Air San Diego State uh, on Sunday, and they also play Howard on Saturday. But the big one, they're all big, but clean old-fashioned hate, Friday night, 7 o'clock in McCamish Pavilion. Let's show up and cheer on the jackets for clean old-fashioned hate. And let's come out of this weekend 10-0 and 0 with the Lady Jackets. So what I'm hearing, Stephen, is that they are the ones. They are clearly they are the ones. Absolutely. Let's go get that championship belt, ladies. The ones in the sky. All right, well, going over to my segment for the day. Uh, basketball season is coming up. And football season just started, right? Baseball season is winding down. But um, really wanted to – I've been thinking about bringing this up at least – a couple times in the in the past, but I just never really knew if it was the right time. But there's an article on ramblinrack.com that allowed me a very easy way to update you on this. So if you want to read the article, go read that. There's talk of there's a couple snippets about Josh Okogie, what he's doing in his hometown and stuff that Jordan Usher's doing. But 
We're going to give you an update as to where a lot of the Georgia Tech alum, at least in basketball, are playing this next season. So if you want to go watch them, you can. Um, in the NBA, there are three Georgia Tech alum. We're talking about Jose Alvarado, who we love, still with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, Thaddeus Young is still in the NBA, uh, currently with the Toronto Raptors. And then Josh Okogie got picked up by the Phoenix Suns, uh, which you might be able to watch him play in the postseason because the Suns are supposed to be title favorites or at least um, top five in the NBA. Uh, in terms of overseas players, you've got a ton of them. So Ben Lammers, who some of you will remember, was the dominant center um, during some of Josh Pastner's more surprisingly good years. And by that, I mean that first one. Um, he is playing for Gran Canaria in the Spanish Liga Indisa. Jordan Usher is going over to Australia to play in the NBL for the Perth Wildcats, which is an upgrade. He was over in Europe last year, I believe Germany. They mentioned his first game. He played 17 minutes, had 16 points. There were some Twitter comments, and you hear the announcers go, Usher had like three steals or something like that, just all kinds of energy. Doing, doing what he does, you know, bringing his copious amounts of energy. Um, Khalid Moore, who I believe just recently got out of college, um, he was a grad transfer over at, I think, Fordham. He is going to be playing for Lavrio in the Greek GBL. Uh, Javon Franklin has caught on with Borak CA in Serbia, the Serbian KLS. Uh, Josh Heath, who you might remember from the Ryan Gregory, uh, <laughs> Josh Pastner days, he's actually still playing. He is playing for Spiro Basket Charleroi <laughs> over in the Belgian Pro Basketball League. Sorry if I butchered that name. Um, no, you said Josh Heath quite well. <laughs> Moses Wright is – he played Summer League for the Raptors. According to this one, it still has him listed as that. Last season he did play in China, so I'm wondering if he's going to go back over to China. He did play very well, averaged about 12 points. Um, got a couple of different highlight reels that came up on my Instagram page. Michael DeVoe is going to be playing for the Portland Trailblazers G League team, the Rip City Remix. He really apparently caught some eyes in um, Summer League because he was sticking with the team. Normally, it was in Summer League, you play well for a team and so you get picked up by another team. Uh, Mike DeVoe is, is lucky enough to stick with the team that he played well for. And then other than that, last two, A.D. Gay uh, is playing for Sigur, Sigurtum.net in the Turkish TBL. And Glenn Rice Jr. is playing for the Big Three, Team Power. He's playing with his dad or is his dad coaching? There's a chance that his dad is actually coaching him. They love to hire the legends to coach. So Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, name recognition, baby. Here soon we might try to look into some of the football alums, see where they're they're at. I, I do wonder every day what Justin Thomas is up to. I believe Marcus George's hunt I saw was in a Kuwaiti league, I think. So. Last I saw he was in China. Yeah, I think he was in that list for Kuwait, but we'll, we'd have to. He was not on that check. list. Okay, it was me? a different one. It's okay. It's okay. I'm I want to know now because Marcus George's hunt was okay, my well, first favorite player. While you're lurking, looking at that, lurking at that, while you're Where's looking it? at that, let me change topics, and then Joshua can come interrupt me in the middle and confirm if I was right on Marcus George's hunt. His first favorite player, by the way. Ooh. He is in Kuwait. Yeah. See, I was right. 2022-23 played in the West Asia Super League. As usual. By the way, give us an email. JoshuaJulian26 at Outlook.com. Who was your first favorite Georgia Tech athlete? He also played in the Arab Club Championships. See, you just... We walked all over my appeal to our dozens of fans. We will read them on air. 
we will read your answers on air. Who your favorite, who your first favorite. Yours was Marcus George's Hunt watching basketball, right? Yes, yes, loved him. Mine would have to be, the, the easy answer is Mark Price, but to be honest, Robert Levette, the mm. running back, early 80s, was a big fan. I believe he was on a Georgia Tech team the first time I saw Georgia Tech beat Georgia. When I was a kid, that would that I love. Sounds like a deep cut there, kid. Absolutely. So actually, not. He was a great running back. Moving on to tennis news, as we stated, field reporter Stacy gave us a nice little Facebook comment that Ben Shelton had made the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Ben Shelton, a brand new pro, twenty years of age, had come out of the University of Florida, and Facebook Georgia Tech's Facebook page had commented that his dad is Brian Shelton. Brian Shelton played collegiately in tennis for Georgia Tech from 1985 to 1988. The other thing that is maybe not known is Brian Shelton had a decent pro career, won a couple of singles uh, tournaments, had gotten up into the top 50 or 60 and at one point in his ATP ranking, but he went on to be a coach. He led the Georgia Tech women's tennis team to the national championship in 2007. He then left Georgia Tech, did go to Florida, where he coached his son mm-hmm. here recently, and also led the University of Florida men's team to the 2021 NCAA championship. Brian Shelton is the only tennis coach to ever lead a men's and women's tennis team to the national championship. So number one, a tip of the cap, and a and we don't we throw acknowledge he the one to Ben Shelton for making it to the semifinals and having a great coach, his dad Brian Shelton, who was a great coach, a great player and a great coach for Georgia Tech. So nice little story. Always good to give a shout out to them. Last news item before we get into talking about football, I do want to acknowledge that the men's and women's cross-country team had their first fall meet. Mm -hmm. And the women took first place at the Stan Sims opener, and the men's cross-country team placed second. It was a kind of a, again, first meet. The coach had mentioned, uh, because there is one coach uh, for both teams, Alan Drosky, and he said it was, Great for the women to finish first. He said the men, they were hoping to do a little better, hoping to finish first. It's a small meet, kind of a, they'd only been practicing officially for two weeks. And the only cool part is Georgia was a part of this meet. And so the women defeated Georgia and the men did finish behind them, but that's okay. The In fact, the women swept the podium. Uh, Helena Lindsay won the women's 5K race with a time of 1701.88 and they swept the top three. Uh, in the men's, uh, they were in, they had two top five finishers, Zach Yeager and John Higginbotham. So, great name. Yeah, that is a great name. So uh, ranked name, scale of one to ten, three, two, one, seven. Uh, eight. I'd yeah. give it an eight. Yeah, seven, eight. Shout out to Shawn Michaels, Michael Higginbotham. Yeah, absolutely. So great job by the cross-country team. Hopefully we'll – speak about many other great things that they do. And just so you know, both those articles I found on ramblinrec.com. So shout out to them. They are my leading source of all Georgia Tech athletics. And then I start going down the rabbit hole from there. Joshua, I believe it's time to talk some football. There it is. 
Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. So what we'd like to do is we will do a recap of the game, talk about what we saw, what we liked, and then you wanted to definitely talk about the upcoming game against Ole Miss this weekend yeah. and do a deep dive. I don't know about a deep dive, but just thoughts, opinions, what are you looking for, yes. that kind of stuff. So this will, be will, a, this will be a big game to since, see where we're at. Since Joshua is the fan who is also hoping to one day possibly give you your sports news over the airs, uh, other than just a podcast, I'm going to get out of Joshua's way. And ladies and gentlemen, let's all listen to the fan give you a professional recap of the Georgia Tech football game against South Carolina State. All right. Well, final score was 48 to 13. I'm sure you've seen that couple different places it brings South Carolina State to 0-3 on the season. We had mentioned on last week's episode they had already lost their first two games, one of them to Jackson State. So they were looking to get in the win column. Georgia Tech was also looking to get in the win column after that Louisville game. And it was basically an onslaught after the lightning delay, which, by the way, if we're talking about things we did not like from this game, the lightning delay is 1-2-3 and three on my list. It kept me from watching the game live because I then had to go to work the moment the game started. It kept me from staying in the stadium to watch the game because I had a deadline of when I had to leave with my friend that I was there with, and we had to leave. Yes, it's. It, I was there. I was ready for it. They came out. They did the coin toss. They were getting ready, and then and it was a nice day. I get uh, mother nature. Ah. Very annoying. So obviously, the Georgia Tech offense played very well. Uh, Haynes King. Had another great game. It's 21 of 29 for 290 yards and four touchdowns. Zach Pyron also got in the game at the end. He went three for five for 20 yards. Did also throw an interception. So but it was nice to see him get some mop of duty. Uh, Jamal Haynes, the converted wide receiver to running back. And remember, folks, this happened three to four weeks ago when they got to training camp. He had been a wide receiver during spring practice and even when they started fall camp. So this is recent. He took his nine carries for 113 yards and a touchdown while also adding two catches for two yards. Um, he's, I think, tied for eighth in the nation in yards per carry so far this season. Half of those yards, more than half of those yards came on a very, very important play. South Carolina State had scored. They were hoping to make a game of it. And on the very next first play from scrimmage, I believe first or second, Haynes got a handoff and just ripped off 67 yards and really set up the next score for Tech and kind of showed, hey, you're not playing with us. We're going to dominate. It's that Haynes connection. Um, other guys in the running back room, Trey Cooley had 10 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown while also adding two catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. Four touchdowns for Trey Cooley in his first two games of the Yellow Jacket, really showing up and showing out. Uh, Dante Smith got five carries to uh, 32 yards. Evan Dickens, six carries for 29 yards. On the receiving end, true freshman Eric Singleton Jr., who, remember, was a late flip for Georgia Tech. I believe they flipped him on early signing day. I believe he was going to Western Kentucky. He was going to some smaller school, and Tech flipped him. Uh, he had three catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. He also had a nice catch in the Louisville game, so he is starting to grab some attention. Uh, Malik Rutherford is capably filling that slot role, five catches for 60 yards. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, four catches for 46 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the other touchdown went to Brett Scyther, the UGA transfer. Second touchdown in two weeks. Shout out to the, to the tight end. Uh, Chase Lane, Christian Leary also got in on the action with a, you know three catches, 36, 27 yards. Unfortunately, we did also lose a fumble. Trey Cooley lost a fumble. Um, but on defense, you had a Kyle Kennard interception. 
which is early in the game, I believe. First, yes. first drive. Yes, so Kyle Kennard, the pass rusher, was able to get up there. Other than that, you had um, four t- t- tackles for loss from the team. No sacks again, which is unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. But in all fairness, South Carolina State was more of a run-heavy team. If you look, well, at South Carolina their- State played two quarterbacks. One was running the option, and the other one was more passing. So yes. they they so yeah. Looking at their Andre Washington, one of their quarterbacks who was zero for two, was their leading carrier with twelve carries mm-hmm. for fifty-four yards. Yep. They had forty-two rush attempts, only nineteen pass attempts. So the sacks. We'll talk about it when we talk about the old Miss thing, but that it could be a little misleading. Um, other impressive ones, Eddie Kelly got into this game and had nine total tackles, two of them solo. Eddie Kelly, the transfer, I believe, from USF, a defensive end, a very young guy. Um, Kyle Effort, another freshman, he got some action with seven tackles. Uh, a lot of people got to play. I mean, when you are when you have to scroll. There was a Zach Pyron signing yeah. in the fourth quarter. I mentioned that yeah. with the quarterbacks. Oh, it's okay. But with the deep defensive, I mean, you're looking at guys that are down the depth chart. Um, By the fourth, the fourth quarter was let the let the young guys play, let the yeah. second and third stringers play, sit the starters yeah, for I mean, the most part. You have it to scroll. Nice. Um, and on top of that, there's a bit of a kicking controversy potentially at Georgia Tech. Uh, not much of a controversy. Gavin Stewart, he did go four for four on extra points, but he missed his only field goal attempt. Yep. So in the second half, Georgia Tech turned to. Somebody who had gotten some some helium in uh, some camp talk was freshman Aiden Burr, who I believe was hurt all year last year. And so this is his first full year on the team. He came in and went two for two with a long of 42 yards while also hitting two his two extra points. So Gavin Stewart's seat might be getting a little warm. I would not be surprised if Burr kicks in the Ole Miss game. Yeah. Uh, there was a nice moment when he kicked the 42-yarder, which I think was the second one, and he came over and Brent Key had a very nice little moment of patting him on that helmet, saying something to him. I, Gavin Stewart was serviceable last year, but he's he's nothing beyond 40 yards, and now he's and he has he's not hit a field goal. He's yeah. missed three. Now one was way out of his range, and I get it. You were just you were trying because I think it was the end of the half in the Louisville game, but. You know, it's going to be whoever's job stays consistent, and it would not surprise me if Burr did not win a chance to kick in the Ole Miss game. Absolutely. Well, now attendance was announced at thirty-two thousand four hundred fifty-two. Um, Georgia Tech did not cover the spread. The only line that was provided was by Caesar Sportsbook. They're forty-four point favorites. So, come on, Jackets. Uh, but the I last, might have, I might have bet the under in that game. I'm sorry. <laughs> The I last, knew we were going to win. I, the last stat is Georgia Tech did not punt the ball. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. You love that. Especially yeah. after watching the Falcons punt all the time on Sunday. So, yeah, this game, and Joshua, you didn't get to see it. You looked at the stats. I think you caught the highlights. I was. I came home by the time I got home. I was able to catch most, if not all, of the game. And what I saw was a team do what they're supposed to do against a lesser opponent which unfortunately, again, we hadn't seen in the last few years. I saw a team continue to stay together, continue to work together. This team is is showing its discipline. This team is showing that they are not going to beat themselves. They may not be ready. They may struggle to win some tough games, but they're not going to beat themselves. This team can run. This team has a quarterback that can find open receivers, and their receivers are deeper and better. However, 
Still saw some missed tackles. Their defensive line is getting pushed around a little bit. And that's not good. That's why they're not getting sacks. They and and I think last year's defense was so so dependent on Ely and Thomas just madmen cleaning up the messes. Well, no, just the whole defense was designed to get them free. And I don't think we have that strength in our current linebackers. And so we seem to have a good defensive backfield, but if you're not going to get pressure, you're going to struggle. So we won the game. It was beautiful. I I wish people could hear the sideline interview with Brent Key between the third and fourth quarter. It was hilarious how he is so no-nonsense and just, we didn't do this well, we're doing it. This is good, and it was great to coach. It's great to coach against you know, the the legend on the other side of the sideline, but he just was like, it was like he was talking to his assistant about what he wanted to do in the fourth quarter. He's He is not, he is so unassuming and so businessman-like. He's going to be very boring to hear at press conferences, and that's fine if his team is getting better. Absolutely. Any other comments about the game? No, I mean, it, it's a game you're supposed to win, um, but after the era that we just suffered through, obviously there was at least a smidgen of doubt in my mind of, well, we can always give it away. Right. But they, the boys did definitely come out to play. It looked like Brent Key had them ready to come in and not take this for granted, which is what you want to see. So there we go. Here we go. We go to play 17th ranked Ole Miss on Saturday, 730. We're on the SEC network. They're 20 point favorites. 20 points. It's going to be interesting. So, so, stop playing with the thing on the back of your phone. Okay. <laughs> what are you looking for? What do we think? So, let's say that. So, we're twenty point underdogs. We were eight point underdogs against Louisville. Yeah. So, Ole Miss is uh, Ole Miss is two and zero. Oh. They this, have they, they beat have, they so they blew the doors off of Mercer, which right. they're supposed That's, to do. Thirty. Right. They played Tulane. I believe it was 24th going into the game, but that's a little misleading. They won 37-20, but Tulane was missing their starting quarterback. And their starting quarterback, Michael Pratt, is a legitimate NFL prospect. Uh, he is being talked about as a guy that could work his way up into potentially day two of the draft. So they were missing a very big piece of their offense and what has made their offense very good over the last couple of years. So and we're playing at Ole Miss. Yes, after we played at Tech last year, we'll be playing at Ole Miss. Personally, I don't think Ole Miss is the 17th best team in the nation. I think they're getting a bit of an SEC bump in the rankings, which happens plenty of the time. They are still a good team, right? They do still have Jackson Dart, who we saw last year, and he played very well against us. And now he's a year older with more experience, and he went through a quarterback battle this offseason. They brought in four-year starter Spencer Sanders who played for Oklahoma State and led them to a lot of good seasons, and Jackson Dart beat him out. They also have Quinchon Judkins, who was a freshman superstar last year. He's a sophomore. They've they've got plenty of talent. Um, obviously, they've got like three guys from Georgia Tech, four guys from Georgia Tech um, that have transferred in from Jameis Griffin to Jared Ivey to Zamari Walton and Akello Stone. So there's at least a couple guys over there who had no tech. Uh, but it's going to be I, – I don't – think Georgia Tech will win, but I do think that Tech has a chance to make it a game. Okay, so what does Tech need to do to give themselves a chance to win? And obviously, 
We'll keep it close going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, they've got to they've got to capitalize when they're given opportunities. Lane Kiffin is a very aggressive head coach. He goes for it on fourth down a decent amount. He's always kind of pedal to the metal. You got to take advantage of when those decisions come back to bite him. Um, so you've got to stop him when he goes for those kind of types of things. But then you also have to come back on offense and do that. I think just Georgia Tech offense can score yes. on Ole Miss. I don't think their defense is a bunch of world beaters. Right. Right. I think Jared Ivey is a good, solid player. I mean, but when you look at the defensive stats against some relatively, I mean, they're only giving up 186 yards a game. But again, they've played Mercer and a backup quarterback. Right. So we haven't really seen a ton, but normally a Lane Kiffin team does not have a great defense. Georgia Tech's offense has been very good this year, uh, 34 points and 48 points, but this will be the best defense they've played for sh- – well, I don't know. Louisville might have a pretty a comparable defense, Listen, now that I'm saying it aloud. Georgia Tech is ranked uh, ninth in the country in total yards per game. Yeah. Georgia Tech is ranked 14th in the country in passing yards per game. There was a great stat. Haynes King was taken out with 290 passing yards at the start of the fourth quarter. If he had gotten to 300, it would have been the first time a Georgia Tech quarterback has thrown for 300 yards in back-to-back games since 1993, <laughs> I think is what they said. That's a little sad. Yeah, that's so you, a little sad. They, they are 18th in the country in passing yards per game. Ole Miss is fourth. Yeah, I get so. it. I get it. So here's what I think needs to happen. And I am, I don't know what – I first of all, I'm trusting – Brent Key to put in a decent strategy. But what I, I think your chance is, can they control the ball offensively for long stretches? The beauty of Paul when he was here was you could just eat up massive amounts of clock and keep, so keeping the offense off the field is going to be key. But I don't know if you can, it's not going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. We've got these great running backs. You don't want to just say, well, we're never going to pass. But the way Tech is showing, I think, is they do want to run first, and then they they take their shot, especially with Singleton, just on the outside go. Singleton and Blaylock, they yeah. love to send them deep. So I think if they can control through run and pass without it being obviously just all bubble screens and, and quick little crossing routes, there's a place for that, but don't become overly reliant on it. But if you can just control, because I think the Louisville seems to be our template, at least this early in the season, if we can score a ton of points and keep it close, that's how we're going to keep it close. Because I don't think our defense is going to show up and hold Ole Miss to 21 points. Probably not. Unless unless it's unless it's lucky and unless we get all kinds of well turnovers or the ball bounces our way or things the, like the that. The easiest way for us to do that is if we start getting pressure. The defensive line comes to play. Problem is they have not really come to play a ton. Well, so what it's what and what has happened is we can't get to the quarterback with just our four or five. So when does Andrew Thacker when does Thacker uh, gamble? When does he sell the house? You know, when does he bring the house? Yeah. You know, do you take over chances? Do you take chances more than you normally would in a game like this to try and get stops or get turnovers? And you'll be without starting defensive end Sylvain, Yon, Yon. I still can't yeah. figure out how to say this guy's name, and he's been around for like four years. Yeah. He'll be back next year. Yon yeah. June. Yeah. He, he's out for the season, so you'll be starting somebody, probably Eddie Kelly on the edge, mm-hmm. uh, to go along with Kyle Kennard and Kevin Harris on the other side. 
you're going to have to see the defensive line step up and, and, and play a lot better than they've been playing to both control the running game. Because again, to quit Sean Jud- Judkins was controlled by Tulane. They held him to 48 yards last year. He ran for, I think 1300 yards yeah. as a freshman. So if, if we let them and Jackson darts, a, a Jackson dart can run the ball too. their quarterback. If they, if we let them, they won't have to go to the air. They could just beat us on the ground. So the, well, if last you year, win the trenches. Well, last year when we played it, they did anything they wanted. It, it was a scrimmage for them. It was a joke. So yeah. I, I think if we can score some points, and, and to be honest, now this is, here is my overly simplistic alum slash fan comments. Ready? Well, if our offensive line will show up and we just run the ball down their throat and just eat up large chunks of the clock and just run it, then we can keep them off the field. Then we can, you know, keep it close. I, I, that's overly simplistic, but to a point, Brent Key's an offensive lineman, and their offensive line has, I think, can be a lot better than they've shown. Even though we've run well, it's been on some gap plays and things like that. I think line up, open the holes, and and the more we can control the ball running, the better chance we have. I think that's obvious. But can we do it against the Probably, but it'll be even easier if our defense can step up and, and play well. And thankfully, we don't have to just do that because I think our receivers give us a chance to move the chains with possession yeah. receive receptions, maybe changing up, passing on first down, and then every once in a while, play action shot to Eric Singleton because Haynes King is a very good control quarterback. Yes. And, he can, and he's run some too, so... I, I think I, our offense has to give us a chance. I think we have a secondary that can hang in there if they have some support up front. Correct. Think, especially if the two safeties are healthy. So do you put the so do you put our, our defensive backs on an island and say we're gonna add more pressure by sending more people? That's yeah, that's, that's what problem. you gotta do. And right, that's a that's why they pay those guys the big bucks. Well so they do, so tech key. does does play a four two five, so they have five DBs out there at all times, yeah. three safeties and two corners. Or two corners and Three corners and two saves. Either way, we've got five DBs. So you can argue for taking a linebacker off, either you know Mawala or Braylon Oliver, whoever you got out there, using them, pro- probably use them as a QB spy type so that he can kind of sit over the middle. And then if Jackson Dart tries to escape, you've got him to chase him down because you know you've got some decent athletes at linebacker, yeah. especially with like Andre White. We'll see. Um I think Tech has a chance to make it interesting. I don't think that I, – I would be surprised if they get completely blown out, but also I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss wins handily. Well, handily three touchdowns, or I does handily know, mean two touchdowns? I just think that I, if it's better than 42-10 to 10 last year, I'll be a happy man. It, it better be better than that. I, 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 this, team is, this team is showing up so far. For through two weeks, and I believe Brent Key wants to get the better. I kind of like the the vibe of the team, and, and we will see. There is a chance that there'll be could, a lightning delay. No, well, this kidding. could be a trap game for Ole Miss if you look at the schedule. You can always look at it. They've got Alabama next week, mm-hmm. then they've got LSU, then they've got Arkansas, and so that's that's three top top of the half SEC teams. So they could get caught looking ahead to the SEC schedule because Lane Kiffin is not the most disciplined coach out there. I, I'm trying not to diss the guy, but I'm not his biggest fan. 
I'm glad we have a disciplined coach who will have our guys ready to play. I've got to believe that after watching him last year and the start of this year. So you heard our little opinions. We'd love to hear yours. Send us emails before the game, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Tell us what you think Tech needs to do to win. Tell us how crazy we are with our, you know, little fanboy comments and and alumni. Well, all we got to do is, I'm sorry, that was, that's for another school. But we'd love to hear what you think, and we will read your opinions on the air. Again, my question of the week, give us your first Georgia Tech athlete that you fell in love with or became infatuated with or just loved to watch play when you were young or when you first became a Tech fan. We'd love to hear about that. Joshua Julian, 26 at Outlook.com. Let's see how we do against Ole Miss. Let's see how the volleyball team does against clean old fat again with clean old fashioned hate on Friday. Let's see what other fall sports start up that we can talk about. And let's see what our field reporter can find out this time of some obscure tech news reference. Cause that's why you come here, laugh a little, learn about the athletic program. And it's about time for your workout to be done. That's why we try to keep it to right around 30 to 35 minutes So get off the elliptical, get off the treadmill. You're done with your walk. Get on with your day. For Joshua the Fan, this is Stephen the Alum. I've wasted enough of your time at the end of the show. And we just have one last question for you. What's the good word? 